Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Command Zone. This is episode number 27. My name is Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And uh, exciting. We passed the halfway mark for a full year. We're into our seventh month of... Oh, that's right. Seventh month. Well, we skipped some <laughs> weeks because of the holidays and whatever. Well, there, if people don't know, there's 52 weeks in a year, so 26 would be half of a year. So we're on Math. 27. Yep, we're on 27. We're, anyway. We're finally crossing into the uh, take us seriously realm, hopefully. Take us seriously. No, don't. Please don't do that. <laughs> don't take us seriously. Yeah. Uh, so we have a fun episode today. We're going to answer a user question that actually extends into a deeper, I guess, realm of questioning and sort of how you can answer questions productively yourself. Um, and then we're going to spotlight a commander called Anafenza the Foremost. Anafenza, Jimmy's new brew. Yeah, my new brew. Uh I've never made a token deck before, uh-huh. so this is my take on the token deck, which, I don't know, kind of hedges in a different, sort of a couple of different places, and it, and it comes up with something that's very uh, good stuffy. Yeah, it's cool. It's We haven't really talked a lot about, like, a good stuff deck, and, you know, you've got a token theme that's sort of the win con, but yeah, yeah. it's sort of a value token deck. I do love value. It's a good value. take. Yeah. I like it. It looks right. powerful. Um, Yeah, so we've got a, uh, we, ha- we had a recent email, and we've actually had a few emails like this. And there's an old proverb, I'm sure you've heard it, you know, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. Give a man a pizza, he's Although, got a I pizza. Although I think whoever said that intrinsically doesn't understand how fishing works, because <laughs> I've been fishing many times, and <laughs> you don't always catch fish. Anyway. Yeah, it's true. But the idea is like, um, you know, there's a question, and instead of just answering the specific question, teaching you how to answer the question yourself, yeah. I think, can be helpful. So let me read the email. Um it says, hello, I recently bought a Burning Wish for my Perforous EDH deck. Do you have any suggestions of sorcery cards that might be useful that I could put into my sideboard for the deck? Please suggest many cards because it's more likely that I will have a lot of the suggested cards in the actual deck. Thank you so much, uh, Gabriel Robinson. Now, Good question. Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you, Gabriel. Uh, by the really way, quick, we... let's, let's read Burning yeah. Wish. Um, you want to read it? Yeah, so we mentioned this. Uh, I think this is on my top 10 red cards list. So if you got that from there, Gabe, then... 
You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to assume we did. Yeah, Burning Wish is one in a red for a sorcery, and it says you may choose a sorcery card you own from outside the game, reveal that card, and put it into your hand. Exile Burning Wish. So Burning Wish is similar to like Sponsire of Ulamog or one mm-hmm. of those cards that allows you... It's a, it's an, it's a pretty... It's a cycle of Wish series as well, Glittering yeah, Wish yes. and all the other ones. It's a, this type of effect hasn't been really prevalent in Magic. There's, there's mm-hmm. cards that do it, but not a ton. But it's basically the idea that, like, okay, I play this card, and then I go get a card that's not in my deck. It's in a box of cards I happen right. to have with me, and I grab that card. And so some playgroups don't like this type of effect and maybe mm-hmm. don't allow it. You know, it's not banned by the official ban list or anything so it's fine i don't know what the rules are for sideboards i mean generally in a competitive situation this would say uh grab a card from your Your sideboard sideboard, not outside the game like you couldn't go fly home get the (laughs) card come back you know you'd have to have it with you and your sideboard would still have to be of the legal amount so depending on your play group that could be 15 cards in your sideboard or Mm -hmm. if your play group doesn't care it could be 20 cards you've got, you know, 200 cards you've got in a box to the side. So it's kind of hard to define how many cards that's going to be. You're going to have to sort of know your play group and know it's legal. But I'd say generally like 15 cards. Yeah, is 15 like, cards is fine. Is an allowable Maybe amount. if you want to, I don't know, go up to like 20 because you have a 100-card commander deck. But honestly, I, I don't even think if you could, you could find 15 different sorceries you would use. They would you probably wish. want, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's, um, at, at a certain point, you're just going to be having two cards that do the same effect, and there's no reason yeah. to do that. Uh, and honestly, I, I'm personally, I think this is totally fine yeah. in commander groups. It's just something where you play, like, hey, guys, I have a sideboard for my deck. And if people are like, why? You're like, well, I have a card that may fetch something from there or whatever. And so, I don't oh, even okay, think you'd great. have to announce it first. Like, if somebody plays Burning Wish, and goes, oh yeah, I have this box here, and these are the cards yeah. that I and I'd be like, okay, fine, yeah, you know, exactly. That's what the card allows you to do. So that's mm-hmm. to me, that's fine. But you know, like I said, not meanwhile, all meanwhile they're are playing Dead Eye Navigator, so you're like, I'm just gonna play Burning Wish. So <laughs> <laughs> you can say nothing about it. Thanks. So and also, um, we're gonna keep this discussion general. We're not gonna. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll try to help answer Gabe's question. Gabriel's question. Sorry, I don't know if you go by Gabe or Gabriel. I guess I should call you Gabriel. Yeah. Um, Along the way, but I will read Perforos just because we'll probably reference it a couple times. Mm-hmm. So Perforos, uh, God of the Forge, is three and a red for a legendary enchantment creature god. He's indestructible. As long as your devotion to red is less than five, Perforos isn't a creature. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Perforos deals two damage to each opponent. So that's the powerful one. And then yeah. he also has an activated ability, ability for two and a red. Uh, creatures you control get plus one plus zero until end of turn and you mm-hmm. can do that as many times as you can pay the mana cost yeah. so um really the whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control he deals two damage to each opponent that's yep. that's almost always the thing that's being abused in perfos decks yep because yep. it hits all your opponents at once so it's, yeah perfos is a very 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 powerful edh deck it just yeah. has the ability it's a powerful to... edh card in the right decks like yeah. frosh loves this guy it, yeah it's like the most powerful card decks. in most token decks yeah um, definitely so anyway, just so we can reference that later, although yeah. we will talk about sort of philosophically in general. So we'll mention yeah. cards from outside we're of sort just of, mono red. We're sort of making more of like an algorithm of how to approach a question like this and how to like constructively go at it so that you can get a good answer out of it each time, essentially. And really, it doesn't just have to apply to Burning Wish. It can do mm-hmm. apply to any card. Demonic Tutor is a card it could also apply to. Like, yeah. what card should I fetch in this moment uh, exactly. to deal with the board? Um, so the first question I like to ask uh, about cards like this specifically, but cards in general, is, you know, what's the most powerful this card can be? What's mm-hmm. the least powerful it can be? <coughs> you know, that's how I would maybe start to go about deciding how to utilize the card. So, you know, what makes Burning Wish powerful? It's a tutor. It's a tutor, but it also 
tutors something that isn't in your deck. Mm-hmm. Now, so that's that begs the question, like, what do you want that's not in your deck, but you sometimes want it? You know, what what makes that powerful? The fact yep. that the cards aren't in your deck. Well, there are there are whenever you start making a deck, right? What do you do? You usually have like three, four hundred cards and you start narrowing it down. Yeah. And usually there's a whole bunch of cards that they could go in your deck, but you decide not to because why? Because, you know, they're powerful, but only in specific circumstances. Uh-huh. So to me, Burning Wish is very specific to like it wants to go find narrow cards. Yeah. Because the some of the most powerful cards in Magic are cards that only work in specific situations. Yeah. You know, let's take a card. They're cards that you also don't want to see in your hand in a lot of cases. Yeah, let's take a card you know. like, I'm just going to Shatterstorm. Shatterstorm just destroys all artifacts, right? Yeah. Well, that card is amazing. Maybe the most powerful <laughs> card you could have if you're playing against an artifact deck or a deck that has seven artifacts on the table. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of times the card will do literally nothing Yeah. because there won't be a single artifact out. So that card's power level, it's it's the gap between how powerful it can be and how and how uh, weak it can be is as big as it gets. Yeah. So those are the type of cards that Burning Wish usually will want to go find, right? Because Burning Wish says, oh, I can go find this card that's powerful right now, but if that card's not powerful right now, I can go find this other card that might be yeah. powerful in the situation I'm in. So that's sort of like looking at the card and saying, what does it do and what is it good at? You know, Burning Wish specifically, good at finding you that narrow answer that's yeah. good right now. Yeah, and if you treat your sorcery sideboard as a toolbox of sorts, that's, you know, where Burning Wish shines. And that's where all the wishes shine because it's yes. like... And also, like, a card sometimes it just might have way too high of a like, converted mana cost to cast. Like that's I can see a, That's every, another narrow card. Yeah, like uh, a card like Insurrection is great a lot of the time but not always it sucks on turn three yeah i mean it's horrible yeah it's if you have it in your opening hand you basically mulliganed Mm -hmm. because you don't want it for at least seven eight turns yeah yeah so i can't even play it for that long and that's exactly why yeah yeah and that's why high casting cost spells are basically they're similar to shatterstorm right Mm -hmm. because when it were when when you cast it it's the most powerful thing ever but then you can't cast it all the time so because you just literally don't have enough mana mm-hmm. and in those cases it's literally like not even a card in your hand like it's yeah. not even there like you can't cast it yeah and and I'd much rather have a one in a red casting cost card that can find a bunch of things as opposed to an eight casting cost card exactly because if you if you pull the one in the red burning wish and it's turn 5 you feel much better about that in your Yeah, hands. you can go find something you can use right now. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if that's an insurrection, it's like, well, this will be good, mm-hmm. maybe, but it's not going to be good for five, four or five turns. Yeah. And then again, insurrection is another card where, I mean, just to get specific about it, it really only works if there's a lot of creatures on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're playing against a Jaleva deck and <laughs> something else that doesn't play, you know, the, the Nekusar deck, oh, great. So I get two creatures, Yeah. you know, and you know, deal four damage because of Perforos, and, and maybe get like a free activated. You know, it's yeah. just like that. Insurrection does very little in that in that instance. You know, mm-hmm. and and I'd say obviously insurrection is very powerful, and most of the time you play it and you win the game. But there will be times when there's certain decks you're facing, and it just doesn't do do very much. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what I would look for for cards like this. You know, what are some other you know cards that maybe? Well, well, let's talk about. You know, I think a lot of people would naturally go towards like staple cards. You know, yeah. they would like Wheel of Fortune. 
you know, in their sideboard. But, well, let's talk about something specifically here. And I don't know the exact rule on how these cards work, but I don't believe you could have a card in your sideboard that's in your deck. Is that correct? No, I don't think so. Yeah. It, um, would, it, wouldn't, it would just break. As soon as you play it, it would be like, you were broken the core rule of Commander. Yeah, it still has to be Singleton. Yeah, it has so, to be Singleton, so... So you couldn't have Wheel of Fortune in your deck and also in your sideboard. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense, I don't think. You know, what are the other staple cards we've talked about? You know, Insurrection's one, uh, yeah. something like Gamble. Gamble, yeah, Red's only tutor. Yeah. Um, now, or I guess sort of demonic tutor-esque card. Right. Now, of those three, you know, you could have all three in your sideboard and only have Burning Wish in your main deck, but that mm-hmm. seems foolish. It's, yeah. It seems like, well, I want Wheel of Fortune, because then I have to draw Burning Wish to get one to of those get other one cards. of those, yeah. Yeah, it's much better to have the ability to just draw Wheel of Fortune naturally or right. draw Gamble naturally. Yeah, it's- so there is a nice little balance then you have to make because after you cast Burning Wish, you have to exile it. So you can't just be like, well, cool, now I can make... You no, know, this takes up the space of seven cards that I can now make more space for. It's like, right. well, you're still going to want to have a lot of those in your deck. If it's powerful enough, it needs to be in your main deck. So mm-hmm. Burning Wish actually only really wants to go stuff that's go get stuff that's not quite powerful enough to be in the main deck or yeah, not consistent enough. yeah. To yeah. be in your main deck, yeah. So it's perfect for that kind of card that when you draw it, um, let's say you play ten games with the deck, and three out of the ten times you draw that card, and it is the nut. It is the best card that happens at that point. But the other seven times, it's either just okay or it doesn't do anything. Like those are the cards you want to be on the lookout for. Something yeah. like gamble, where it's like go two for that's a card. good every it's time. It's good every time, yeah, yeah. Even if you have to discard, so. yeah. So, what are some other sort of categories? You know, anti-artifact stuff. We talked about Shatterstorm, yep. Vandal Blast, Vandal Blast, Shattering. Although Spree. I would actually argue that Vandal Blast deserves a main deck slot. It because, can, it can. Yeah. I'm just saying that type of effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have it. You know, if you're going to make your sideboard of 15 or 20 cards or whatever it is, you don't want two things that destroy all artifacts in there. You yeah. just want one. So pick any one. You know, depending on what colors you are, mm-hmm. you know, it has to be sorcery. And then that would be a thing that's very narrow, but very powerful in the right circumstance. You know, yeah. uh, you talked about high casting cost stuff, high CMC spells. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> others enter the infinite. <laughs> that card is, is so one. nuts. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, a deck that wants enter the infinite wants it in its main deck. But, and it's because it's going to cheat it into play somehow, usually. Yeah, exactly. But I could see a deck that's like, well, I'm not based around Enter the Infinite. But mm-hmm. if I happen to have that amount of mana and I get Burning Wish, I'll go yeah. get oh, it. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. It could be in that sideboard. Uh, something well, like- and it doesn't hurt you to have a couple of like super bomby cards in your sideboard that are you know 10 plus. That way, if I, if, I get in, if I get Burning Wish and... It happens to be turn 15, and mm-hmm. I happen to have 15 mana, yeah. then Perfect. I, I might as well go get Yeah, exactly. You can fetch it and play it in the same turn. Yeah. So. Um, something like In Garrick's Wake, yeah. which is a, a nine mana, one-sided board wipe, so it destroys everybody else's creatures and planeswalkers, but not yours. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, Graveyard Hate, I like this one. So Morning Tide. Yeah. Um, and Graveyard Hate, I think, is actually super specific. And it's actually... Uh, <clears throat> A lot about uh, the deck that we're going to deck tech today is Graveyard Hate. Like, you could build a whole deck around Graveyard Hate, but go against a deck that doesn't care and you are not in a happy place. So, I think Graveyard Hate is sort of one of the flagship narrow things yeah. where, like, when it's powerful, it absolutely destroys the deck that it's, you're playing against. Mm-hmm. But then when it, it's the, a large percentage of, de- of decks, it literally does nothing to them. Like, yeah. 
Like they literally don't care. It's like you burned a card. Like yeah, or like they they toss everything that go you know something. Okay, great, you exiled my entire graveyard. That affected one card that I was yeah. going to use from there. Maybe, maybe you know. And then it's like okay, oh well, I'll just play a different card and we'll just you know. Yeah. So meanwhile, they're drawing fifteen a turn. And you're like, oh well, that wasn't effective. Yeah, <laughs> and I just basically use my turn to do literal nothing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, I think board wipes. Are, are good ones. Now, you want yeah. board wipes in your main deck, but you don't want... Because board wipes are generally just always useful. Mm -hmm. But you don't want 50 of them. Mm -hmm. So Burning Wish can also just be another sort of like safety valve. Yeah. You wrote one here, actually, that I really like, which is Blasphemous Act. Uh-huh. Um, because that is the card that says, I'm situational, like yeah. on the text. Yeah. Blasphemous Act uh, is uh, eight... And a red. It's a sorcery, obviously. It says Blasphemous Act costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield. So if there's eight creatures on the battlefield, it just mm -hmm. costs one red. Uh, and it d Blasphemous Act deals 13 damage to each creature. So it's a situational board wipe, whereas, for one, it's way too expensive unless there's a lot of creatures out. Yeah. For two, if there's somebody's got, like, Avacyn out, then you don't even want it. Yep. Um, so, but when it's good, it's awesome. It's just one red and kill everything, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a very good card to go get with Burning Wish that maybe you wouldn't want it in your main deck, although a lot of decks still do want it in the main deck, but yeah. it's, it's an example of that of a type of narrow card. Um, what else? Oh, here's a here's a good one, and this one's mean. I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying everybody should do this, but depending on your playgroup and the level of meanness that's that's prevalent, you know, color hosing cards. Oh, right. Cards like Tsunami. Tsunami destroys all islands. It's, yep. a, it's a green sorcery. <clears throat> Or Acid Rain, which is a blue sorcery that destroys all forests. Yeah. You know, those are really mean cards. And also super narrow, because you have to be playing against a blue deck with a lot of islands. And a lot of red decks actually have specifically anti-blue cards from its early days. Yeah, so. something like Red Elemental Blast. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, but so color hosing cards, uh, sorceries, obviously, for, for Burning Wish, but... Um, Color hosing cards are very narrow but super powerful. Like they can yeah. literally just shut off a deck. So if you're in the type of play group that is cutthroat, then those are great cards to go get with Burning Wish because it's like I go get this card and I just destroy your deck. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one guy is not very happy around the table, unfortunately. Um, what else? Well, we can talk about stuff specifically that is good for the commander that you're building around. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so, like, you wrote down uh, a, a new card from Constantarchy, which is just Hordling Outburst, which is you get to put three goblins into play. And yeah. it may not be, you know, it may just be that thing like, dang, I need to just do six more damage right now. And yes. I have a Burning Wish, and ah, look at that. It just does it. Um, yep. Or um, Goblin Rally puts four right, right. one ones into play. It's a little bit more expensive, so maybe that's like, I just need to do, do eight damage. Mm -hmm. Like, you could foresee a situation where, man, if I can just do six damage to everybody, I win. Yeah. Or basically win. And so you just need that card that puts three tokens in right now. So, yeah. you know, that's Perforos specific. Or um, something like Cordling Outburst if you're like, well, I need to sack some more stuff to my um, Goblin Bombardment to right. kill everyone. So right. just like, I think always having at least one token generator is always handy because there may be a situation where you're like, well, if I just need, if I can just only get three more blockers, I can survive. Because you don't necessarily need to be in the aggro side of right. things, you know. This is because it's sorcery speed. You're only going to be casting it during your turn, so you're sort of setting up something potentially for the either like the the next turn to not die to, or you're doing something that's aggro and trying to kill everyone with it. Exactly, and I think like ha it's a really good point to have you know whatever your commander is, mm -hmm. you know, to have a few cards in that sideboard that are what your your deck's trying to do. 
Yeah. You know, so all the other stuff like tsunami, your deck's not trying to destroy all islands all the time. It's <laughs> just like, well, sometimes I want to do that. Yeah. What your deck's trying to do is put a bunch of creatures out with Perforos in play and and do damage to all your opponents. So you do want some cards that put a bunch of creatures out so that if Perforos is in play and you see that opening, mm-hmm. you can just win the game sometimes. Yeah. Um, and this could go for, you know, if you're playing the other wishes or, or other cards that do things like this, this could be like... I just need a demon in my hand for Kalia, you know, to have an angel and a demon and a dragon in there or whatever, or, you know, get those cards that do center, you know, have a couple cards in that sideboard that That are are synergistic. That are sort of like the main plan of your deck, but they're not the best cards because those cards would already be in your deck. They're just like those cards that almost made the deck, Mm -hmm. you know, in, um, you know, if it's a Nekusar deck, you know, any card that dings people for how many cards they have in their hand or when they draw cards right like, you know that didn't make the main deck sorcery specifically yeah well that's for burning wish but you know just yeah. for this type of effect you know if it's yeah, glittering yeah. wish it can be a multicolored card or if it's oh right right yeah. you know if it's one of the other wishes you yeah. know you can get different things and just you know philosophically what you generally want is narrow cards but i, th- I would say you also want a couple slots that are just like synergized with my deck yeah you know I, I like the idea, too, of the wishes because it also kind of equalizes the power level. Um, these are, in general, not super expensive, right. um, except for the ones that are played, I think, in Modern slash Legacy uh, during the Jeskai Ascendancy Terror Reign oh, days. Reign of Terror? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is that officially over with the ban- bannings I, now? I think it's officially over. Um, or at least there, I don't know. There, we, there awaits a new deck build to be built to really, I guess, make, make use of it. But, I mean... So, like, I really like these cards because they give your deck a lot of flexibility. Um, right. And when you're playing a lot of games, it also, I think, I think it spices it up a lot because it does give you an extra little sort of board to interact with that may help you in a situation where someone may be, like, playing their Vampiric Tutor, their Demonic Tutors, all their right. like, very expensive cards. And you're like, I can go wish for something. And you can, and most of these cards, you know, narrow cards are not expensive cards to buy. Yeah. You know, stuff that destroys all artifacts is not expensive to buy. Stuff mm-hmm. that, you know... Because they're they're so weak in every other situation that yeah. they're generally you know they're just not used that much. But what you can do is because situationally that card is so powerful, you can equal somebody's really expensive card because yeah. you know you can have it's kind of like a charm almost, right? Charms the modal cards that say you well, can do right. this or you can do this or you can do this or you can do this. Well, burning wish or glittering wish or the wishes can can sort of say those same things like you can destroy all artifacts or you can destroy all islands mm-hmm. or you can destroy all creatures or you can you know hate out somebody's graveyard or you can you know yeah as long as you have the mana for it yeah exactly so those are the modes that that can have which is pretty powerful when you think about it yeah and i, I forgot who was saying it but someone had said they derived a sick pleasure from seeing someone's expensive card get taken out by a very very cheap card yeah which well. i always think is <laughs> is is fun and also like sort of the beauty of commander and i'm sure jason all would have something to say about this from brainstorm brewery that we just do it right we're looking for these weird like modal slash cards that do one thing very specifically that are going to not cost anything but potentially could see a huge spike in like price later on people realize like oh wow that actually is a very powerful card vandal blast i'm looking at you anything with, <laughs> anything with overload on it i think is a uh, is 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 a winner in my book. Um, so going back to sort of the idea of answering this question, um, like Josh said, when you go about like thinking about a question like this, like I, w- I have something and I want to do something with it. How do I go about it? You know, really examine all the aspects of it. And so in this case, it's I can fetch a sorcery. I know that I'm going to be doing something that is not in my main deck and I am trying to figure out what it's going to be. So like we said, you're looking for situational stuff. You're looking for stuff that you want to pull out 
in response to something else or something that you can use to either synergize with your general or just maybe make one interaction go off to find that third combo piece that maybe exists in your deck but also exists in your sideboard so that you can sort of get both at the same time. And not ha- you, know, you can give yourself a little more consistency with cards like this. Yeah, and I think also like pay attention to cards that you thought about putting in the deck, but the gap was really big between yeah. like when it's at its most powerful and when it's at its least powerful. Like mm-hmm. in general, your main deck wants to, to contain cards that at their average power level is high and their, their worst case scenario is not that bad. Yeah, you know, you because you just don't want to be drawing cards where like, well, this doesn't do anything. But those cards that sometimes don't do anything, but sometimes do the most amazing thing ever, those cards are what Burning Wish wants to get. And I'd yeah. say cards that do things similar to Burning Wish play along the same lines. You yeah. want those narrow cards, very narrow indeed. Narrow but indeed, very effective at the same time. Um, so yes, thank you for submitting the question, Gabriel. If you guys have questions that may potentially be answered either via email or on the show itself, you can send us an email at commandcast at rocketjump.com and one of us will look at it. We we look at them. We try to answer most of them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Actually, I think we've answered all of them so far. Yeah, I think so. We'll definitely and, get back to everyone. And, and, and Gabriel, we, we didn't reply, but we we are now. So Yeah. Gabriel, we hope you enjoyed <laughs> Gabriel your, got a whole show, your, whole show. your 20 minute reply <laughs> to your question. Um, also, you have to let us know if these cards end up doing work for you because we'd like to know if you find anything that we may have missed. And in the world of red sorceries, there are a lot of really weird random cards that we will definitely have missed. Well, and also like people with Burning Wish in cards that have red but aren't red. Yeah, exactly. You know, can can use it to go get a whole bunch of cards. In fact, I'd say Burning Wish is way more powerful outside of mono red mm-hmm. than it is inside because oh yeah, absolutely. Red's just a narrow color in general. It doesn't have yeah. a huge toolbox and stuff for me yeah. too. So and also yeah, make sure like you know one of the things I love about the show the most is the comment section on Rocket Jump. You know, after we do something like the last episode. It's really yeah. fun to go back and just look at and be like, man, oh, yeah, there's all these other cards that maybe I didn't think of. Or yeah. maybe, you know, people are like, what about this card? And you're like, you're right. You are completely right. We did not come up with that card. Yeah. And you're like, man, I've never even played some of those cards. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, there's cards like Karmic Guide and stuff that everybody's yeah. played. But there's there's some niche cards that people are like, this card's always been really strong for me. And you look at it and you're like, holy crap, like, that's a good card. I should yeah. put that. Thanks so it helps. Yeah, exactly. So it helps everybody. Uh, yeah, you know, sort of learn together. Same, same with the the people that are also listening to this show. If you haven't checked out the comment section, I find I figure I think I probably read at least three cards in every episode where I'm like, wow, that's great. Yeah, and that's all on RocketJump.com. Yeah, it's like group knowledge. You know, everybody yeah. gets to pool their knowledge, and everybody gets to learn from everybody else. I mean, Jimmy and I are hosting the show, but we have so many listeners that yeah, you know, have probably played Commander as long or longer than we have, and and know more cards than we know. And I'm relatively new to the format still, and I I'm always trying. I mean, like I would never say that I'm a professional. <laughs> at commander <laughs> i don't think such a thing exists yeah exactly so i'm i'm very happy to always be sort of leveling up and finding new stuff yeah the, the comment section is definitely a good and of place. course not making as many rules mistakes <laughs> <laughs> gotta learn to play good gotta learn to play good <laughs> um so playing good let's talk about our commander spotlight for today well we got british yeah i guess so you sound like you're from london and offensive foremost <laughs> that's like <laughs> <laughs> She's royalty. <laughs> I feel like someone like. I mean, I should be laughing like this. All our British listeners are just like, sorry, face palm, sorry, in disbelief. Sorry. You know the funny thing? I wonder. I would totally random, but you know, there's like British actors all the time in American right. movies, and they do American accents, and like, it doesn't go the other way around, right? Not very often. Yeah, but I'm like. 
yeah, their American accent's good. I never really like think about it. Every once in a while, you'd be like, oh, that word was a little right, weird. But right. most of the time, I don't even think about it. I wonder if Brits listening to Americans oh, do British accents. Oh, yeah. I'm if they're positive. just like, oh, that's horrible. Well, but, well, the thing is, like, there are like so many different realms of the UK that are, there are but different America accents too. in each. There's yeah, it's like, true. There's like Southern accent. There's a the East Coast accent. There's like I think Baston, and there's yeah. You I know, think the, the bland American accent though is is so just like okay, yeah, they're American as opposed to if you go to Britain and you're like you're combining your like high end British accent with your Cockney. Accent from Cockney accent. Yeah, then I don't know. I I feel like. I also just feel like the acting training in the UK is just better. Oh, it's so. absolutely better. They're, they're shown by how, like, percentage-wise, yeah. how many of them are professional actors, like, percentage-wise compared to how many yeah. Brits there are compared to how many Americans there are, like, in the world. Yeah. Like, they're, like, half of Hollywood. Yep. And, you know, speaking as an actor, it's very true. Like, American act, the American acting style is very, like... Um, it's method, right? It's emotional. Yeah, you want to get into the scene. You want to just... You want to be... You want to deliver a one performance out of ten that is it you know that's perfect that's got everything and maybe you're you can be more consistent but you know if you as long as you get that one out of ten and you're there for that scene then, then great you know but i think the british acting method is much more traditional and it's like no you're you know it's based in stage and theatrical stuff so you need to be consistently doing something to a high level and maybe you get to a 9.5 out of 10 whereas the crazy american can, can hit that 10 out of 10 but once he's a six yeah. the rest of the but time he's a six yeah the rest speaking of speaking as an editor yeah I will back you up on this claim. Yeah. Oh, cool. Generally. Good to know. Generally speaking. Good to know. Well, in uh, in fairness, I think we should continue the rest of the episode <laughs> in uh, in our best British accent. I don't disagree. An offender. You're the foremost. I don't know what kind of British person I'm being, but uh, some kind feels, of old. Yeah, it feels one. stereotypical. Yeah, right, I'm right. like Bill Nye or whatever. Um, <laughs> So Anna Fenza, the foremost, is a con of Tarkir, and she came out in Cons of Tarkir. <laughs> she's so the Abzan con. Yeah, so she... Um, or she's one of the two Abzan cons now, because yep. we went back in time and we and found another Dagatar, one. Dagatar, the Adamant, is now the other one. Um, so Anna Fenza, the foremost, is a uh, cost three mana total. It's a white, black, and green. Mm -hmm. And this color is actually, I think, a very popular uh, commander color, because other uh, Gave... Oh, no, sorry, not Gave. Um, Carador, Ghost yep. Chieftain. Is, are these same colors, and it's uh, it's really good for a lot of reanimation strategies, ramp. It's got a lot of the, I think, core EDH things that people really like. Yep. Um, and so Anafenza, I chose to build a deck around because I was really interested in the second line of text on her. So we'll read her. She's black, white, and green for a 4-4 legendary creature human soldier. So a three-mana 4-4, she's already pretty good. Pretty good That's yeah. pretty good, yeah. 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 You can already, I can already see a Voltron strategy being built around this because getting out a powerful commander right. that early is really nice. We're not going to do that, but you no. could. Yeah, you could. Um, so whenever Anafenza the foremost attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on another tapped creature you control. Now that's a good that's that's a good ability, definitely for limited and for constructed, um, but it's not what we're building around here. The most important piece of text: if a creature card will be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So it just naturally hoses grave creature based graveyard strategies yeah. pretty hard if she's out. Um, and uh, notably, it says if it goes into their graveyard from anywhere. So if they're discarding it out of their hand, if they're milling it off the top of their deck. If it um, gets destroyed while it was in play, mm -hmm, it just it goes straight to exile. Exile, yeah. So this actually ex just completely hoses the Sultai con of Contemptark here. Yeah, sorry, Sadisi. Sorry, BDM. Sorry, Sadisi. Sorry, BDM. Did you, 
let's be honest. Like, did you think like, hey, I need to build this deck because we did that episode with BDM? And we may eventually play him in real life. Yes. You're like getting ready. Well, you're I mean, like, I'm gonna see him at GP Vegas, <laughs> and I'm gonna crush him. Gonna crush him. Uh, you know, it was kind of half that, but it was also playing against decks like Carador, where it yeah. was just brutally oppressive, and it just seemed unfair that. Everyone else was playing with their normal decks while uh, someone that was dredging stuff up or playing with Carador. They got just, two decks. They got two decks, yeah. And no one did anything almost ever to respond to it. Because right. I think our, our our meta is very light on graveyard hate slash graveyard control. Um, and so if you had a deck that abused it like Carador does, then you were in big time trouble. Well, graveyard shenanigans, there's this cyclical nature to how they go in, in a meta mm-hmm. and in a play group. And usually what happens is somebody does a graveyard deck. And it's very powerful. And then somebody creates a deck with Graveyard Hate. And Graveyard Hate, it's just like, it's like a switch. It's like, there's Graveyard Hate or there's not. Yeah. And if there's Graveyard Hate, the Graveyard deck's done. Yep. Like, it just can't do anything. So then that person stops playing the Graveyard deck, which means the Graveyard Hate deck sort of sucks. So then people go back to normal decks. And then somebody goes, hey, nobody's playing any Graveyard (laughs) Hate. And they create a Graveyard deck. I haven't seen Rest in Peace in a long time. And then the cycle continues. So usually your playgroup will go through sort of Graveyard eras. Eras, yeah. And the era will start with very powerful Graveyard decks coming into their own because nobody's playing Graveyard Hate. And it will end with... You know, people playing a lot of graveyard hate, and therefore the graveyard deck's going away, and then going back to normal decks. Like I said, blah blah blah. I'm the very excited of to end the era of graveyard hate. <laughs> no, yeah, of um, graveyard shenanigans. You yeah, mean. and actually, this is a deck that I've always wanted to build a token deck. So I sort of formatted this deck to be a um, kind of controlly, but more just a lot of value and good stuff because I would love to play this deck when the Graveyard Hate isn't necessary as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'd love you to play this deck when we're playing against BDM's uh, CDC deck too. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. That'd be good. And the Fenton is just going to look at CDC and just be like, nope. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So, so sorry. sorry. She's going to make that like uh, yeah. slice neck you know, gesture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the downsides of Anafenza. Um, and the first one that I can think of is if there is someone that is playing with a graveyard, they're going to hate you a lot. Well, they basically, if somebody, like, if they have Carador and they and you flip over Anafenza before the game begins, they're like, well, I have to just kill that yeah, person I have to kill as fast that. as yeah, possible. As many times uh, as possible. Otherwise, I'm done. The thing, the upside, though, on the opposite end is if they're not playing with graveyard shenanigans, Anafen is not that scary. Yeah, definitely. You know, Anafen is just a three mana four four that may eventually that doesn't do much. Their, you know, yeah, exactly. to them, like it puts one one counters on stuff. Who cares? Yep. You know, and it may be slightly annoying, like if they have an eternal one eternal witness in their mm-hmm. deck or one, a couple of flashback cards or a yeah. snapcast. No, snapcaster doesn't care. Yeah, snapcaster is um, definitely. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's. That I'd say that's an actually an upside in general, but it can mm-hmm. be like you can just make eternal enemies with somebody like from right off the bat. Too. Yeah, exactly. But they're like, I have Sidisi. Oh crap! <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about this um, is I played this deck probably four to five times now, just to play test and sort of tweak it. And I actually don't cast Anathenza about fifty percent of the time. You finally seen the light, Jimmy. I've seen the light. Yeah, you've seen the light. You're coming over to my side. Yeah, well, when I was building it, I was actually thinking, it's like, well, you know what? It'd be nice to have a deck that isn't super reliant on the general. Like Marchesa's right. deck is, if you if she's, if she's not, not out, there, yeah, deck's not doing anything. Deck's yeah. not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. It's um, very nice to have a couple decks in your uh, in your collection that 
It's just like the deck itself yeah. is what's powerful, not the commander. So you'll find with this deck is that it has a lot of toolboxy-esque stuff to it, and it isn't overly reliant on getting Anafenza out to win the game. Because just hating out someone's graveyard isn't going to win you the game. You need to find other alternative ways of, uh, of going about it. So right. the game plan... Uh, is to outvalue and sort of outlast your opponents. Uh, outlast, I pun, like that. Pun intended. Um, the so Abzan. You want to create a lot of tokens. You want to get a lot of value out of Enter the Battlefield effects. And uh, you want to back it up with one-sided board wipes. Um, and when I say one-sided board wipes, we'll get to it. But essentially, board wipes that use Anafensa's ability to benefit you over them, but still accomplish wiping the board, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um uh, you want to abuse cards that do two things at once. So a card just like, value cards, value cards like yeah. Marshall Coup, where you can board wipe board and, and have tokens. stuff at the end. Yeah, um, a lot of Enter the Battlefield stuff. A lot of creatures that sort of res- that use your own graveyard. Because if you notice, Anafenza specifically says opponents. creatures from opponents' graveyards. Yeah, um, that's just mean. I'll shut off all is. your graveyard shenanigans, but I still have some. I still got some. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so let's talk about the first category of cards, which is just straight token generation. And that begins with uh, Avenger of Zendikar. Yeah, one of my favorites. This card was in the Legacy Cube on Modo, and every single time I saw it being played, I'm like, wow, that is that is incredibly broken. <laughs> it's just, well, it's got a casting cost that is sometimes prohibitive. Yeah, exactly. So it is a seven-mana creature. It's five and two green for a 5-5 five, five creature elemental. Uh, when Avenger of Zendikar enters the battlefield, put a 0-1 green plant creature token on the battlefield for each land you control. It has landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under control, you may play a plus one, plus one creature on each plant creature you control. So he puts out a ton of guys as soon as you cast him. Let's say you just cast him for seven without a soul ring or anything. You have seven zero ones on the battlefield and a five five. If you, yeah, you have to, that's the thing about him is like you can't really cheat him out um, in, th- in normal ways because yeah. he becomes less powerful when you cheat him out in some ways. So let's just say you. I don't know, use a Gilded Lotus and four mana, which, never mind, you can't do that. A Gilded Lotus and five <laughs> mana. Um, You're only getting five guys Instead the of the field. seven. You know, it's just a little bit. But when when you get to seven lands and you play them, I mean, even if just five is fine. You yeah. get five zero ones, and then every time you play a land, all those dudes are actually not they become zero ones. One, yeah, they become one twos and two threes. Um, and they can attack. Talk about them making the defender. math hard on us, by the way. Yeah, that's the other thing I realized with this deck is I need a lot of dice and a lot of different <laughs> counters and tokens. Because uh, so it that, makes them into one twos. Like, why couldn't you just give them plus one plus I'm making or... life hard for everyone, yeah. Josh. No, no. Um, well, you didn't design the card. You did? I know. Yeah, I didn't. It was all me. Um, so Avenger of Zendikar is one it's of those It's just a cards. super value card. Because, super value card, yeah. yeah. Um, and another card uh, that I like quite a bit that I actually haven't seen played very much. Stormfront Riders. It's four and a white for a human soldier. Four, three with flying. So that's pretty good already. Five mana, four, three flyer. When Stormfront Riders enters the battlefield, return two creatures you control to their owner's hands, which is relevant because the deck will have a lot of enter the battlefield effects. Yep. And then whenever Stormfront Riders or another creature is returned to your hand from the battlefield, put a 1-1 white soldier creature token onto the battlefield. So if when, you have to, you can bounce himself. Yeah. And you can... And and if you do that, you're just making two tokens. Yep. And it's you get to play them again. Quote, unquote, for free. I mean, it costs the mana. So. Yeah. But if you bounce two things with about like an internal witness and an Avenger of Zendikar, yep. you keep all the zero ones and you know you make a couple of one ones and then you play the Avenger of Zendikar and the internal witness again and you get their effects like yeah. that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so he's mostly there to you want to rebound stuff that you want to play again. 
Um, and you also don't want, I mean, if you really have to, you can just do it to himself over and over again and just return another creature with them. Right. So you always get one back for five mana. You can get your Eternal Witness and play it every turn for you know an additional five mana. Which is or an Elvish Visionary and just draw cards. Or yeah, there's exactly. a million little yeah, there's you know, things. Of... As long as you build your deck around it, that card's super, super powerful. Yeah, and for the most part, most of these cards have... Um, yeah, ETB. ETB. ETB effects. Um, ETB is like the most classic form of value, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, well, even if you kill the creatures, I got some effect. Yeah. You know, I got yeah. some... So, like, you spent a card, you killed my creature, but it had an effect when it came into play, so I'm still a little bit ahead on that sh exchange. Yeah. Um, another card that I, uh, I'm actually trying it out. I don't know how it's going to work out. I think this is sort of a one-trick pony, but it's Broodhatch Nantuko. It's a card with Morph, uh, so you can play it uh, face down as a 2-2 creature for 3, and then you can flip it up at any time for its Morph cost. In this case, it is 2 in a green uh, for a 1-1 one, one creature, so it sounds terrible. 2 in a green is the Morph cost. The Morph the cost. The actual, if you just want to cast it, it, it's 1 in a green. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's whenever Broodhatch Nantuko is dealt damage, you may put that many 1-1 uh, green insect creature tokens into play. So it's sort of like a trap card. You're so you Morph it down. Playing a Morph. They attack with something big. You block, flip it, and makes... It's like Hornet Nest, kind of. It's like Hornet Nest, yeah. Uh, except when you have Hornet Nest up, no one will attack you. Yeah. Uh, Broodhatch and Nantuko has the nice ability to be morphed as a 2-2. Right. It, I, also, it doesn't create flying death touch creatures. It just <laughs> creates 1-1 one, one insects. Yeah, exactly. Um, but <clears throat> in this case, you're going to be using those for other things. So. Now, how many morphs do you have in the deck? Because the thing about having only one morph in your deck is like, then it's just Hornet Nest because yeah. after people play your deck a couple times, they know, well, that's the, that thing. Yeah, that's why I'm trying it out. That's why I don't know exactly how effective if it is because the other morph card I definitely would put in here would be uh, hooded hooded uh, hydra. I think that, that probably should go in there. That yeah. card is bonkers, it especially a in lot EDH. Of tokens. Yeah, and it's just like it scales super well with the game. So yeah. that if you draw it when you've got eleven mana, you just make it an awesome hooded hydra. And if yeah, you draw exactly. it when you only have three mana, or you get a then five, you five. Just, then you just morph when it. You flip it you up. Know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So those are the two morph morphies that generate tokens via creatures. Uh, Elspeth, of course, is also in here, and she serves as a nice board wipe. We talked about her last week on the uh, top ten wipe. She's cards. just a great versatile card in any token deck because yeah. Yeah. And she demands someone that stops her because being able to put out three soldiers every turn is pretty bonkers. And just being able to put her out and then wipe the board of all creatures power four or greater is yeah. like oftentimes. Like, it's enough to really swing the game in your yeah, favor. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Uh, the other s the generation of tokens happens via spells. Uh, I think Lingering Souls is one of the most effective cards for doing that, both in like modern and standard and stuff. It's and, a super powerful card in yeah. modern. Uh, Lingering Souls is two and a white for a sorcery. Put two 1-1 one, one white spirit creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield, and then you can flash it back for one in a black. So you can get four 1-1 one, one flyers for a total of five mana uh yeah and the important thing here is flashback being able to use it twice is yeah, very valuable nice. again yeah super valuable um so and then if you have you know you're in a token deck so you're gonna have things like parallel lives and doubling mm -hmm. season so you know that just makes all of these cards the avenger of zendikar the nantuko the, the lingering souls it make you know Elspeth. Yeah. It makes them every all, single one of those yeah. cards. Yeah, yeah. So you have the chance at just going off. Yeah, uh, we also include a new commander card from uh, Commander 2014, Sylvan Offering, which was in the green deck. We talked about this card. It's X in the green. Choose an opponent. You and that player each put an XX green tree folk creature token on the battlefield. Choose an opponent. You and that player each put X one one green elf warrior creature tokens on the battlefield. Okay, so that's a lot of words. Let's just go through it really quick. If you mm -hmm. pay green and ten. You'll get a 10 10 and 10 1 1s. Yep. And then you choose two opponents. Or one. You can either give one opponent a 10 10 and 10 1 1s, mm -hmm. or you can give one opponent a 10 10 and the other opponent 
10 one ones. Yep. But either way, you get both. Yeah. And the important thing here is that you're getting more value out of this for the most part because your deck is built to abuse this specifically. Right. Whether or not you have sack outlets or <clears throat> pump spells. Uh, and, you know, after playing something like this, I find that it keeps the board state of uh, hostility at a nice, even... Like, no, even one, no one's... Yeah, yeah, no one's like... Well, no one's pissed. Right. So Everyone's kind of happy because this like, card, oh. like we 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 liked this quite a bit, and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of talk people didn't like this card. I think this is one of those cards where um, it people just don't like cards where the upside is skewed or obfuscated because there's a downside to it, right? Yeah. Where you and I tend mm -hmm. to not have that problem. We're just like we'll maximize our upside and minimize our opponent's downside. So you've played this card a couple times. How do you think? It did extremely well. Yeah. Just because every single time you play it and you look at the other two players or three players and you're like, okay, cool. You can get, you know, like, oh, look, you you don't have any creatures and you're getting hammered each time. Have some 1-1s. One right. And this other guy, like, you can have a uh, 5-5 five five or whatever. Yeah. And for the most part, everyone looks at it looks at it, and they look at your board. They're like, well, I guess I have a like I have an answer in case he swings at me with all his guys because he gave me that answer. So it didn't feel like he just did something that I need to just like respond yeah, to exactly. right now. Yeah, exactly. A board wipe becomes much less uh, sort of ready to happen because they're like, oh, cool, now I have stuff. I don't want to board wipe that. Right. So by I think by doing this, as long as you are min-maxing how much you're getting out of it and how much they're getting out of it, uh, minimizing how much they're getting out of it, it's it's super effective. I like that. Yeah, I had high hopes for that card. Yep, and hopefully it does well. We'll have to test it out in bigger groups, but I I have a feeling it's going to do really well. Um, I want to talk about this guy. Oh, okay. Uh, Aura mutation. It's a uh, green and white, so Celestia instant. Destroy target enchantment. Put X one one green sapperling tokens on into play where X is its converted mana cost. So it's a disenchant that makes. Tokens. Yeah. It's yeah. the kind of card that I really like in EDH because it does two things that are always shiny. important. Yes, and it's shiny. This is a good foil. <laughs> I'm like staring at it like a raccoon staring at it. It's a shiny object. Ooh. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's it does two things that you want to do. Like it's way better than just a card that just destroys an enchantment, right? Mm -hmm. But even that card is quote unquote playable. In, it's in fine, Commander, yeah, because yeah, there are enchantments that need to get wrecked. But you might as well also make some sapperling tokens while you're at yep, it. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and along that line, we also have Marshall Coup, uh, which oh, we yeah. talked about earlier. It's X and white, white, and you get to put X one one white soldier creature tokens on the battlefield. If X is five or more, destroy all other creatures. So this is like the board wipe that you want to do. It's the board wipe that gets rid of everything and continues your quest to create more tokens and stuff on the battlefield. So the token, so these are the token cards. The token is kind of the win condition in this deck, but you mm -hmm. know, you don't have like I have a token deck. We'll probably talk about it someday. And it's like every card in it is making tokens. But your deck's not like that, which I find interesting. Right. Um there's a lot of cards that sort of like you have a section here called Enchantments Matter. Yeah, I think the enchantments in white and green and black are among some of the strongest in the game. Uh, I think just they because you know you have cards like Academy Rector that is built to go fetch enchantments. You mm -hmm. have Doubling Season. You have Parallel Lives. Um, you have Aura Shards, uh, and these are all super good because they are both utility and they are also effect. I mean, like something like Aura Shards is I think a card that every single deck. If you're playing plays. those two colors and you have creatures. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Which I think most people If you're will. playing green and you have no creatures, that's weird. Yeah. And Aura Shards is one in the green and the white. It's an enchantment that anytime a creature, not not just non-token, but a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you can destroy target artifact or enchantment. 
It's very, very, very powerful. Yeah, it's one of those must-answer cards if someone has a board of, you know, like, swords of light and shadows and gilded lotuses and soul rings. And There's virtually no decks that don't have some enchantments and or artifacts. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't really think of any that we play with in our group or that I've ever seen that don't have at least a couple of, uh, you know, at yeah. least artifacts, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely going to have artifacts. If a soul ring's not in your deck then what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are very few cases where you don't need that card. I think Animar is one of them, but even then I would still stick it in that deck just because it, it's, yeah, it's such a sure. good card. Yeah. yeah. Um, Leyline of the Void is actually a really interesting card. It's two and two black for an enchantment. Uh, if Leyline of the Void is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. And there's a, there's a cycle of these cards that all yep. begin all on the, the battlefield if you have them in your, in your opening hand. And it's essentially Anna Fence's ability, but more powerful. Uh, it's if a card would put you, if a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So not just creatures. It'll take care of spells, instants. You know, Snapcaster Mage will be a very unhappy fellow. Um, There's decks that sort of they're doing graveyard stuff, but it's more like Life from the Loam and yeah, and uh, what is that Worm Harvest? And you know, they're just trying to. They don't care if there's creatures in there specifically. Like, yeah, exactly. And offensive won't quite destroy those graveyard decks. So yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting main deck card. I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, uh, I don't intrigued? know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I agree or disagree. It seems like if Anafens has already got you covered in the arena of graveyard hate, and she's sure. your general, and so you have uh, access to her, quote unquote whenever you want. I mean, she can get tucked. Things can mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. Also, though, I can see the other side of the argument, which is like, well, graveyard decks are going to hate me. Oh, like, yeah. they're going to come after me no matter what. So I might need a little extra, you know, another one more card that deals with them because if they happen to tuck Anna Fenzer or something, they're coming after me because they have mm -hmm. to. So, you know, I might I might need to make sure that I've got more defense against them. So, yeah, I can see both sides of that. Not to mention, I just think having this in your opening hand is one of the most powerful things in the game because at that point, it's like, cool, now I don't even need to play my commander. I can just... It's can, true. Like, it's true, but I mean, you're not going to have it in your opening hand very often. It's true. You have a, what, like 7 out of 100 chance? Yeah, so eh, less than... I don't know what the percentage is. So mathematician out there can tell us, but yeah, I think it's, it's not, probably it's somewhere around. Yeah, it's not great. Um, Replenish is in this deck, which you can return all your enchantments from the graveyard to play. Now that card is awesome. Yeah, that card is awesome, and the price tag reflects that, of course, too. Um, you also have cards like Sterling Grove, which is a fetch. You can essentially tutor up uh, um, an enchantment with it and also gives your enchantments. Uh, Sterling Grove is one of those cards we talked about in the uh, overperformers. And yeah. it's, yeah, I don't understand why it doesn't see that much play and it's not super expensive. It says uh, it's a... Both in casting cost and purchase yeah. cost. It's green and a white for an enchantment. It says all other enchantments you control can't be the targets of spells or abilities. So already very, very playable important. because you've got enchantments that you want to protect but yeah. then it has pay one and sacrifice sterling grove search your library for an enchantment card and reveal that card then shuffle your library and put your that card on top of it so it's sort of an enlightened tutor you can't get an artifact but um also with, yeah you know or it just makes your enchantments uh hexproof basically yeah and in a deck where you're trying to toolbox out specific stuff it's very important if you need to get something like well i need an aura shards right now otherwise so and so right. is going to run us over um, so enchantments matter in this deck, obviously. Uh, doubling season, I think, is a give me. Uh, same with parallel lives if you're going to be making tokens. Um, and this is where the deck sort of strays away from token generation, which is creature value. So other creatures that want to either create tokens or do stuff with cards that may be in the graveyard that come back and you want to sort of reuse them. And those cards are uh, one of my favorite is Reveyark, which is four and a white for a 4-3 flyer. 
and when it leaves the battlefield, return up to two target creatures with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it says, and it has evoke for five in the white, so you can cast a spell for its evoke cost. If you do, you just sacrifice it when it comes into the battlefield. Um, so because this is a card that leaves the battlefield, the evoke cost is actually one more than the actual casting cost. Yeah. Because it, you know, you would have to to use this. You would have to play it and find a way to kill it um, to use its ability immediately, which is why it costs a little bit more. Revelark, super powerful card. Yeah, um, and it can fetch out so many sort of creatures that you want to get back. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in here that is just going to be really effective when it dies once. Like Eternal Witness being able to get that back on the battlefield. Essentially anything that, especially when you have sack outlets in a deck like this, like Ashna Dalter. Well, and you're token already, so you're going to want that stuff because yeah, you've exactly. got like, a bunch of 1-1s one laying around and sometimes you want to turn them into mana or mm -hmm. cards or whatever, yeah. There's a card you've got in here, which we took a little flack for not putting on our top 10 white cards, uh, yep. was Sun Titan. It's four and two white for a creature giant 6-6 six, six with Vigilance. But when Sun Titan enters the battlefield or attacks, you may return target permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah. So Target permanent card. Yeah. I didn't really even realize that, that when I put it in. That could be an enchantment. It, it could, could be Sterling be, Grove. You could yeah. search up a new enchantment every single time. It yep. could be uh, Aura Shards again if someone gets rid of that. Um, it could be Strip Mine. Yeah. You oh know. my gosh, you're right. Yeah. So, it, yeah, Sun Titan, super powerful. Um, probably should have been at least on our honorable mentions for the top 10 white cards. You know, we just we just spaced it. We spaced it. Sorry. But it's very similar to Revelark. So that's something that would maybe be a sub-theme of the deck is having creature cards, smaller creature cards. Yeah. Because now Revelark says two power or less, and Sun Titan says converted mana, converted cost. mana cost three or less. But oftentimes those all overlap. Mm -hmm. So something like Sarah Ascendant. Yeah. for example, or something like that. Although I don't know if Sarah Sennett belongs in the deck because she doesn't have an Enter the Battlefield effect. Yeah. Well, the nice thing does. about Revelark is that a lot of the really powerful creatures in Magic, the ones that really do some crazy stuff, can cost a lot, but are, are almost always really weak, we, not that powerful. Yeah, the most powerful utility creatures are always... Yeah, so like the Oracle of Moldai, you could fetch back with Revelark. Right. Um, and that's a card that... <laughs> One of the most powerful... If yeah. people don't kill that immediately, then you are in business. That's um, a value card if ever there was one. Yeah, exactly. So that's creature value. And then uh, the sixth category, or the fifth category, I think, uh, is cards you might not think of, slash uh, what I like to call fun time board wipes. Fun time board wipes. And uh, <laughs> at the top of that list is a card called Living Death. And oh, yeah. Living Death is... This is a card and a board wipe that usually just doesn't get played because the value that other people can get out of it is going to sometimes be way more than what you can do from it. Uh, it's three and two black for a sorcery. Each player exiles all creature cards from his or her graveyard, then sacrifices all creatures he or she controls, then puts all cards he or she exiled this way onto the battlefield. Oh, this is just mean with Anafenza. Yeah, so essentially any card, any creature card that's in your graveyard gets exiled. You kill everything on the board, and then you take all the creature cards from your graveyard and put them back onto the battlefield. You just take all the creatures in your graveyard, put them into play, and kill all the creatures you already had in play before yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But and Offensa doesn't let them have any creature cards in their graveyard. Mm -hmm. So you're the only one that gets this effect. Yeah, and even if Anafenza comes out a little bit later and only gets rid of, say, like half of what's happened so far in the game, you're still going to benefit more off of this than everyone else. Yeah. Um, especially if, right... Plus, we, you've got sack outlets, right? Yeah, You just exactly. sack all your dudes first. They're all in your graveyard. So then what... You, know, you get mana from Ashland Dalton for doing it. You can play this for super cheap. And, and then it's like Living Death actually doesn't kill any of your creatures. They're mm -hmm. in your graveyard now, so it just brings them... Back. It gets a little awkward when you have cards like Sun Titan where he hits it and you're like, oh, wait, Sun Titan has no, <laughs> nothing to target right. because everything's been killed. 
so yeah, Living Death is one of those fun time board wipes. Uh, same with Marshall Coup. It's, it's, it's the things that do more for you than everyone else, but also do a very powerful effect, which is in, in this case a board wipe. Um, yeah, Marshall Coup is uh, white, white, and X. Put X 1 1 white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield. If X is five or more, destroy all other creatures. Yeah, so, so just ruin everyone. Yeah, if you've got eight or nine mana, you can make seven, eight, nine to- 1 1 tokens and destroy all the rest of the creatures. Yeah. You know, again, with doubling season out, that can oftentimes just win. Um, another card I. <laughs> I don't know if this is actually a good card or not yet. It's called Cobra Trap. It's four and two green for an instant trap. And these trap cards, uh, they all sort of usually have a an alternative casting cost if something happens on the battlefield. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so in this case, if a non-creature permanent under uh, your control was destroyed this turn by a spell or an ability, an opponent controls, uh, you may pay green instead of the, the casting cost. So you can pay just one green, and you put four 1-1 one, one green snake creature tokens on the battlefield. Um, and in a deck that's running a ton of enchantments and running things that people want to destroy, like doubling seasons... Uh-huh. Uh, I like this a lot just because it's one green for four. And who knows if this is something that actually will happen very often and they'll be able to trigger it a lot. But I'm trying it out right now. I want to see what the viability of a card like this is. I feel like it's pretty viable. Like, you've got enough enchantments, you know. Also, people will do things once in a while, like destroy a land or an artifact, mm-hmm. and then you can do this. So I, I feel like it's it's going to be useful. You're going to find out whether or not, you know, it's one of those three out of ten. Yeah. Or, or you know, it's or more a, like eight out of ten. Eight out of ten, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, when I say that, it was referenced earlier when he said it was useful three out of ten times. Because if it's only, if if seven out of ten times you can't use it, then yeah, it probably needs to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, and outside of that, sort of, that is the. the... Can I make a uh, suggestion? Oh yes, please. There's, uh, I think, uh, Cathar's Crusade is sort of a perfect card for this deck. Um, oh yes. Yeah, Cathar's Crusade is. Uh, it's an enchantment. It's three and two white uh it says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control put a one one counter on each creature you control so it works well with living death mm-hmm. it works well with tokens it works really well with bouncing your own creatures and replaying them which are all things that you want to do so yeah. you know because i could see right now uh, a thing where you make a lot of tokens but they're you need to pump them in some yeah, way they're all just know? little weaklings yeah and coat of arms might be okay although i haven't looked specifically whether your soldier spirit Usually these, you're going to have enough spirits or soldiers to make Code to of make Arms them, still worth it. Yeah, like they're five fives. Even if like I've got t- t- 10 tokens and five are this and five are that, you just pick one and, you know, usually yeah. spirits. And, and they're and, all giant. Yeah, and kill somebody. Yeah. But Cather's Crusade, you know, could just sit out there and and make all your, you know, you play Martial Coup with Cather's Crusade out. Oh, gosh. And you destroy everybody else's creatures and make seven seven sevens or seven eight eights mm-hmm. or however the math works out. But you that's a win the game now instead yeah. of just, like, wipe the board and have some presence left. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, good good recommendation. Yeah. Thanks. No I like these cards, too, better than the ones that just sort of anthem you up and do a plus one, plus one across the board. Because I think this has a lot more ability to go past the plus one, plus one. I mean, it can super be broken, yeah. Because, like, yeah. like, you've got a lot of cards, like, let's say that Cobra Trap. Mm-hmm. Well, the Cobra Trap, if you have an Anthem out that gives them plus one, plus one, you make four two twos. If you have Cather's Crusade out, now you make four five fives. Yeah, because so, they all get plus ones. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Um, I think that'd be a really strong card. I, I would say maybe one or two Anthem effects are probably in, in order. Yeah, I think I think they work. I think my favorite Anthem in this is just Mirari's Wake because mm-hmm. it doubles your mana and gives everyone yeah, a plus one, plus one. That card is awesome. Um, also, importantly, is you're going to need to protect these cards especially because you have a lot of tokens and you can't just do sort of one card for one here you need to do stuff like golgari charm which is uh in a a modal spell for black and green you can choose one all creatures get minus one minus one until end of turn 
So usually you won't do that unless someone else is going crazy with yeah, their but own it's useful tokens. as something. Yeah. Um, or destroy target enchantment, always useful. Or regenerate each creature you control. That's the so, one. Yeah, that's definitely the one there. And if somebody does a board wipe where, although like Wrath of Gods won't let you regenerate, but you know like Supreme mm -hmm. Verdict will. Yeah, um, yeah so, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's also Ready and Willing, which is uh, one of those sort of fused cards where they're, it's half split. You can do one in both halves. Yeah, split um, cards. Yeah, split cards. So the Ready side says creatures you control are indestructible this turn and untap each creature you control for one green and a white. And then the willing side is one white and a black, and creatures you control gain death touch and lifelink until end of turn. So you can play both costs and do both and just yeah. destroy so, somebody, or you can just save all your dudes. Yeah, so for six mana, you can gain a ton of life mm -hmm. and untap everything. It's a great combat trick. Um, and I feel like you only need a couple of these in your deck because having more of them, it's like you're not going to face it that many times that having more. It's, it's a very delicate balance where if you have like five of these, you know, I'd say most of, the, most of the time you're going to draw one when you really don't need it and you'd rather have something else. The problem, it's the same with Anthem effects in token decks. Like, we've talked about this in the past, but if you're if you're a deck and you have, you know, 60% of your deck is token generators and 40% is Anthem effects, you're going to have all these games, or 40% is protect your yeah. tokens. They're going to have all these games where you can protect tokens, but you just don't have any. Yep. You know, or you... So what you want... Like, if they destroy all your tokens, but you have more token generating cards... You're okay. Yeah. You just rebuild. But if they, you know, if they go to destroy all your tokens, but you don't have any, and all you've got is protect my tokens cards in your hands, then you're not okay because yeah. they don't even have to destroy your cards. You're just doing nothing. So it's better to just err on the side of more token stuff and less of the anthem effects and the and the sort of protect your token stuff. Although you yeah. still need some of them. And that's a balance you'll find too with the more yeah. you play a deck like this to figure out what it, like where the sweet spot is. Because it's also going to depend on your meta. If, if it's always just like your meta is just like everyone will always have a board wipe, then you're going to need to put a little more of these in there to make sure that you... Then you're going to want Soul of New Phyrexia. You're going to want yeah. Avacyn. You're going to want, you know, you're going to want more yeah, things exactly. like that. You know, Avacyn and Soul might be okay in this deck because they're also creatures. Yeah. So those type of effect might be good. Um, and finally, we have Finishers. How do you kill everyone? Oh, I see you've got the mother of all finishers. Yep, there's only there's one big daddy, Crater Hoof Behemoth. Woo, Crater Hoof Behemoth. Uh, let me read it really quick, although I think we've read it like <laughs> many times. Yeah, it's one of those cards we talk about quite often. It's Well, it's sort of the go-to for this thing, and it's the go-to for this for a reason. It's five and three green, so eight total for a creature beast of five, five. It has haste, but when Crater Hoof Behemoth enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain trample, and plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. Yeah. It's the ultimate finisher. Trample is the most important thing here because even if they can block everyone, you're still going to be trampling over four. If you have nine creatures, they'll get plus nine plus nine in yeah. trample. I don't know. Ugh. The plus nine plus nine part might be just as important. Either way. It's true. You but like if they have all... tokens too and they're yeah. like, oh, jump block, it's like, well, they trample over. You almost never play Crater Hoof Behemoth. Uh, and don't at least kill one or two people. Like yeah, exactly. You know, oftentimes you just play it and win. Uh, it's just one of those cards you just hold in your hand until the the moment where coast is clear, people's mm -hmm. mana is tapped. You know, and then it's just math. You know, how how many people? Do how I many swing? creatures do I have? How much life totals everybody at? Yeah. How much can they? block with you know and usually you can and not to mention you can bounce this guy and flicker him yep. and with all of the other cards in this deck they can do it so yep. um another card that i uh it's sort of a pet card of mine it's eldrazi monument 
It's a five drop artifact. Actually, it's it's not in the deck list. I just put it in again because I was like, you know what? I need at least one more of these effects to to <laughs> ensure that I can potentially win. And it's creatures you control have get yeah, plus one plus one have flying and are indestructible. That seems pretty good. Yeah, for five mana. And it says at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature if you can't sacrifice Eldrazi Monument. And in a token deck, that should never be a problem. <laughs> and even if you have to, you just eternal witness, get it back or mm-hmm. regrowth or you know green. Uh, and black are both very good at getting things from your graveyard. So yeah, exactly. Actually, white's okay at it too. So uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Actually, that's a really good card. Really good addition. Yeah. Um, yeah. This card. Uh, so let's talk about ways to maybe fight this deck. We already talked about board wipes. I think board wipes against token decks in general. In general, yeah, are they're, always going to be good. Yeah, um, they're always going to be good. Um, cards that like you know just a single card like um, Elish Norn or uh, Massacre oh, Worm, I think, yeah. that just has an Anthem negative effect and kills right. everything like that way. Um, that definitely hoses a deck like this, too. It can hurt it a lot, but I think you could still do some stuff. Yeah. Um, I'd say what we call mass creature hate, so stuff like Propaganda, Ghostly Prison. Right. That's probably going to make life a little bit tough um, mm-hmm. just because it, it it allows you to have all those creatures, but you have to pay tons of mana every time you want to attack with one of them. Yeah. So that could, that could be tough. <laughs> Unless uh, I have a ton of mana, thanks to a card like, ah, no, that's way too much mana. It's I mean, like three you could, per creature. The thing about ghostly prison and things like that are like they'll hold it off for a while, but they're not, you know, they will eventually get overrun. Yeah, because yeah. even if you can only attack with three or four, it's usually going to be enough. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, cons- <laughs> it's funny actually. Graveyard hate is a way to beat this deck as well. Is it? I don't see a ton of stuff that you want to get from your graveyard. I mean, you have the ability to, but like. Well, the thing is, like, a card, like, it, it does turn off a significant portion amount of the deck. So Sun Titan gets turned off. Uh, Living Death gets turned off. I mean, but Sun Titan's still a big dude with Vigilance. It's true, he's still a big dude with Vigilance. Um, I, I just think that because you're doing Graveyard Hate of your own and you're trying to be a little cute with the idea that you're, I'm using my graveyard better than you guys are using your graveyard, that people can get rid of certain things. Like, a, like you know, just having an E-Witness and a Flicker Wisp in the deck is enough to be like, okay, this guy wants to do stuff with his graveyard. That Right, but I don't think that I would prescribe graveyard hate to somebody who was playing against your deck. I, oh, I, true, true. You know, I don't That's think, a way to fight the deck. Maybe it's not I think a it might be a little deck. annoying for you, but yeah. in general, like, most of your stuff will still do what it wants to. Like, yeah. you know, Avenger of the card doesn't care. And Offensive doesn't really care. You know, Crater of Behemoth doesn't care. Yeah, uh, those cards it hurts care. his feelings, but he doesn't really care. He doesn't really care <laughs> if you've got graveyard hate or you don't, you know. And it like lingering souls are sort of mildly annoyed by yeah, it, you know, yeah. not that much. Well, another thing we can also talk about is just being able to consistently remove the enchantments that make this deck really powerful. Um, like so, well, if you're playing a token deck, never allow doubling season or parallel lives to make it to their untap phase because yeah, exactly. you'll, you're dead. You'll die like that. Yeah. Those cards are incredibly powerful, you know, because it turns cards that make four dudes into cards that make eight dudes. Yeah. And if they've got Cather's Crusade or uh, Coat of Arms, I mean, that's just, you just win. Yeah. So, you know, the, another suggestion I would make is, because uh, one thing the deck might be missing is haste. Yeah. So Concordant Crossroads or a Chroma's Memorial, yeah. uh, something that just gives haste to all your dudes. Because one of the things token decks are generally good at are like putting out a bunch of tokens in one turn, like an Essene amount, right? Like 50 tokens come into play. The problem is that if you can't kill somebody right at that moment... You're then, so vulnerable. Yeah, you got to hope that player two, three, four, and 5 don't have Wrath of God in hand. And, mm-hmm. you know, the bigger the game, the more likely that somebody will have a board wipe. So, yeah. you know, but if you have something like a Chroma's Memorial, which is a seven mana artifact, it gives all your creatures flying, first strike, vigilance, trample, protection from red and black, and 
the most important thing, haste. haste. Yeah. So if you have something like that, you play that, everyone's like, okay. And then your next turn, you make 40 tokens <laughs> and attack everyone. And then yeah. it's just like, you know, you just win. So. I mean, if you're lucky, you do it in the same turn. Yeah, it's just a Chromos Memorial costs seven mana, so you got <laughs> I mean, if if you can, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, town. Yeah, that was that's the other thing I would say. Just all token decks probably want yeah. you know, a couple of haste effects. And uh, I'd say the last thing, uh, sort of on that same vein, is to fight this deck is you can also just be faster than the deck is and just constantly put the token deck on their back foot and force them to make tokens to block as opposed to be on the aggressive side. And I think tokens are much worse when they have to be on the blocking side because then you're just sort of bleeding out really quickly. And, yeah. and, and if you're struggling to stay afloat as a token deck, you're not where a token deck wants to be ever. Yeah, tokens decks sort of want to get set up too. They want to get in this nice position where it's like, oh, I've got my Cather's Crusade out, and I've got my Doubling Season out, and I'm just, I've got the card in hand that's gonna, I'm gonna play it, and and the card says make four tokens, but mm-hmm. really now it's gonna make ten in there, and it says make one ones, but really they're gonna be nine nines, nine nines, yeah, you know, and it's, but it wants, it needs to do step one, step two, and then step three, and if you can thwart that, you know, if you can either kill them first mm-hmm. or thwart that plan of like. Oh, I take away your step one and step two. And now yeah. it's like, well, now I'm making four one ones. That card, you know, it relies on synergy very heavily. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, being able to remove the synergy uh, off the board and just make sure that someone can't get their combos going is definitely a way to shut down token decks. Well, so, cool, man. It looks fun. Anifenza. I'm uh, anxious to play against it. I guess anxious might not be the right anxious? word. Anxious? You're, you are super stoked. You're Trep- I have trepidation. Trepidation. <laughs> I'm trepidatious? Is that a word? I don't think so. I don't know. Bo- it, it, it's bodacious. It's bo- yeah, I don't this thing's bodacious, dude. <laughs> if we're going to do an American accent, just go to Surfer America. Yeah, I'm Surfer interested. America? Yeah, man. Surfer Is that America, a place? Bro. Yes, it's where we're yeah, from, bro. actually. Yeah, California. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm interested, too. This deck is definitely a work in progress. We'll put the deck list up there, and I'll be constantly updating it, too. And, of course, if you guys have token strategies or found certain things that you think work much better with tokens that we haven't talked about, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear it. Very cool. Um, all right. Ready for the end step? Yes, but before we hit the end step, there are oh. still two people that have not uh, emailed us about the giveaways on the iTunes reviews. Guys, so, the last two episodes, we announced winners. You can win. Cool stuff. Yeah. We got one from each episode, but we're still missing two. So if you are one of those winners, email us. Otherwise, I, I suppose next week we can just announce new, new ones potentially. Um, I don't know what the statute of limitations should be on the thing. We've got something else to give away. I was going to talk about it in an end step. So. Oh, okay. Let's well, here, the here's the thing. If you're a winner and you have not already emailed us your name and address, uh, we can't send you the prize. And why don't we give you until... We're going to give you a couple more weeks here. Um, yeah. But if we haven't heard from you, let's say after February. The Super Bowl is over. <laughs> no, because that's going to be... I know, it's next week. Uh, Actually, you will... The, yeah, yeah, it's next week. Um, yeah. Yeah, so let's just say by March 1st. So if we okay. haven't heard, anybody we haven't heard from, we're just going to have to give your prize away because we're going to assume you're not listening. Mm-hmm. So And there are a lot of other people that are listening that want them prizes. So you might get another chance. And we give stuff away all the time, so yeah, you're going to get another chance at stuff anyway. Speaking of which, Ooh. oh, yeah, so end step. Time for our cool things. Cool things. Do you want to go first or do you want to? Uh, my cool thing for this week is the Seattle Seahawks, my hometown team, are cool going thing. to the Super Bowl. Woo-hoo! All us Magic players are either not caring about this or really not caring. Well, a lot of Magic players are from Seattle. I mean, (laughs) Wizards of the Coast is in Renton, Renton, Washington, which is right there. It's been amazing seeing tweets from like Wizards official people being with Seahawks love and stuff, and it's like, hey, here we go. (laughs) Just make sure everybody inflates the uh, footballs to the correct amount. Correct. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm from Portland, so we don't have an NFL team, but we're very 
you know, close to Seattle. Yeah. So it's kind of our adopted team. We are more than happy to be your adopted I don't have the parent. same amount of fervor that you do, but go Hawks. And also, I like Pete Carroll. Yeah, I, I like Pete, too. I was uh, a fan of him when he was at USC. As my so. friend calls him, Slippery Pete. Slippery he, Pete. <laughs> he always finds a way to win. He does. He does. <laughs> so go Hawks. Uh, sorry if you're a Patriots fan. I'm not that sorry if you're a Patriots fan. You guys have won lots of titles. They're pretty good. They are very good. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a great game either way. I really look forward to um, football games like this because two really good teams playing each yeah. other, there, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Um. All right, my cool thing is, well, a few months ago, you might remember that Jimmy and I went with the Rocket Jump crew, and we played um, at BlizzCon in what was called the BlizzCon Brawl, and we played Heroes of the Storm. More like BlizzCon beatdown of the poor Uh, Yeah, I won't talk about how our performance was, but (laughs) um, Blizzard has given us some beta keys for Heroes of the Storm. I can't believe it's in beta. The game is beautiful. I mean... I forgot it wasn't in beta. I've been playing the alpha this whole time. And, yeah. you know, Blizzard is just amazing with how, you know, crisp and and, yep. and, and polished their games are, even at an early state. So the beta, uh, they sent out a bunch of beta keys. Jimmy has a bunch. I have a few. Um, here's the thing. We're both going to be giving away beta keys. Yep. Um, so follow. I don't know how you're giving yours away. Uh on Twitter, most likely. On Twitter is yeah. how I'm going to do it. But Jimmy's got 100,000 Twitter followers. Yeah. So your odds of getting a beta key from Jimmy are just way lower. I have like 250 <laughs> Twitter followers. So if you are interested in getting a Heroes of the Storm beta key, follow me on Twitter, and in the next week, I will figure out some way to give those out. And your wait, odds... I have really good odds if I if I follow you. Can I, can I enter? <laughs> oh, wait. I have keys. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I was... <laughs> I was so enraptured you already have by access the idea. To the beta. I was like, man, those are great odds. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll figure out some way. I don't want to give out the keys to somebody who's not interested in playing either, so I'll right. probably check with my followers to make, you know, to see who who wants a key and then but so then you'll have an even better chance because there's a yeah. number of my followers that won't, you know, they won't be interested in playing it at all. But if you do want to hear the Storm beta key and you're not a follower of mine on Twitter, Hit that follow button and pay attention in the next week, and uh, you'll have a chance. Yeah, at Josh Lee Kwai. Of course, it's all in the show notes. And if you guys want to play uh, Powerball, Powerball odds, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter and <laughs> try and win that way. You have a good. You have a, at least there's a chance. I mean, you yeah, might as well follow no, both. Here's the thing: like, it, it really depends on what time of day I tweet something. Yeah. Sometimes I get, you know, it was like sometimes I'll say something random about the, like the state of the union. It's like. 50 retweets and other times I'll also be like man I spent like 10 minutes crafting this tweet it's like one retweet so <laughs> so as long as you're on top of it you could have a very good chance to win and yeah we'll have all the details on how we're giving them away on our channel and all that uh, not our channel on our, uh, our Twitter channels yep. I guess and all that alright cool thanks everybody thanks for tuning in we'll yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. thank you for listening make sure you guys leave comments we love we love reading comments yeah actually help uh, help Jimmy build this deck uh, yes, to be even as, more as awesome as possible yes uh, yes help wait, me why am I telling them to do that you're just help gonna crush me. me with it then yes <laughs> you got all I like, am all for, yes I'm all for crowd fund crowd not fun crowd uh, crowdsourced uh, deck ideas I think it's great it's like crowdstorming yeah crowdstorming it's like brainstorming but yeah. crowdstorming storm no. count how and many people want to help me storm count one go storm count one <laughs> cast my commander storm count one. Oh man this game just got serious alright cool thanks so much for listening guys and we'll uh, see you next peace thank you for your attention for further inquiries send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator.
Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.